Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Football Game Day Show. We are the Weber State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and I am your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we've got a returning former coach at Weber State, Tom Stackrock. Tom, good to see you, man. Good to see you, man. Hey, I'm going to start off with a little trivia for you guys. Okay. 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 Who is the only player in the history of the NFL to have two touches and two touchdowns? <laughs> I know this one. You got it's it? It's Rashid Shahid. <laughs> there you go, my man. Yeah. My man. How awesome is that? Yeah, I know. Huge play. I mean, that was just an absolute bomb. And I don't know. They just weren't ready for him. That that, that Cardinal secondary was not ready for the speed of Shahid. And he just burned him, man. I like how the guy got his jersey, though. And he's just like dragging him. And she just pulls him into the end zone. He's just like, yeah, it's over. Right, again. Man. <laughs> Incredible. Awesome, man. Awesome. Also joining us today, we've got the signpost's own Simon Mortensen. Simon, how you doing, man? How's how are you getting through that semester about midway now? It's that's the thing. You get to your senior year, and like sometimes the classes get a little bit slower, a little bit harder to trudge through. Yep. I feel like I'm doing okay on them, like I'm passing them and everything. But man, sometimes it's like <laughs> you just it's senioritis. Oh, it God, yeah, yeah, it happens in high school. It happens in college just as bad. Yeah, I had yep. senior writers bad because I had to write my like senior thesis, which is supposed to be like a 20-page research paper. And I had done all the research, but I hadn't written it. I literally wrote it in a night and turned it in the next day and was just like, I don't even care. Give me my stupid oh, yeah. degree. <laughs> that happened last, last, uh, last year. I had one that was... Uh, yeah, I didn't do any planning for it. I can't even remember what class it was, but it was seven pages. And I hadn't done any of the MLA work or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Finished it up from 2 a.m. to 7 a.m. And yeah, turned it in. I got a good grade on it. It was great. It happened. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, fellas, let's talk a little bit about today's show. Uh, we're going to do a quick recap. Going to give you guys an opportunity to talk a little bit about, give your takes about the Portland State game last weekend. Uh, then we'll talk a little bit about today's big game, top matchup up in Bozeman against Montana State. I uh, know we'll take our usual fly around the sky, get you guys his picks. And then uh, that, that'll be about it. So I want to encourage everybody to subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all good places to find Weber State Weekly. We're also on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, probably going to be on Twitter a little bit more this Saturday. I don't know. Actually, I'm going down to Chattanooga to uh, see the Mercer uh, Chattanooga game. So I'll do my best to be on social. But man, that's going to be a good one, too. And then, of course, Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly and become a patron. Really appreciate it. Uh, I did some, I've got some interviews scheduled to, today with some of these new recruits. We've got some guys who have committed already to Weber State. So, got some interviews in the pipe for some of those guys. And so, if you want to be a patron and you want to get those interviews first, you got to become a patron. So, go check out patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. So guys, now um, want to talk a little bit about Portland State. Like I said, you guys hadn't been on the show this week, and so wanted to kind of get your takes on this. What did you like about this game up in Portland, Tom? I want to start with you. Oh, I just like that we took care of business. You know, I thought I thought Portland State had a couple of things that concerned me. You know, an athletic quarterback that could could run around a little bit. Um, that always causes a problem, but uh, it wasn't a problem. Um, you know, I think the thing that I liked is just uh, true to form. Um, the, the, our team went up there on a business trip and took care of business very, very soundly. So kudos to those guys. Yeah, the offense continued to look good. I mean, the defense, I mean, it's a shutout, guys. Like in my book, it's a shutout. I don't care about the garbage time touchdown where we had the twos and threes in. It was the first fourth quarter touchdown that the Wildcats have given up this season and they were way out in front. And so it's just like, yeah, they gave it up, but like, is that for real? No, that ain't ain't for real. Simon, what about you, man? What, what did you like about this one? Yeah, I think there was a lot of things I liked, especially with that offense right there. You know, I love seeing these deep bombs to Jacob Sharp and to Ty McPherson. Like love seeing that every time. And that Dante McMillan run on that one touchdown where he was like right by the, (laughs) he was, he was almost out of bounds. Like he was, he couldn't have been that far away from it right there and fighting through tackler, everything like that. I, Oh my gosh. I love that play. I also love that defense right there. I think we're going to talk about it a lot more when we get into talking about Montana state, but knowing that we can shut down a mobile quarterback, you know, a little bit of a run game that comes up big for this week. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause like you said, we were 
We talked about it in last week's game day show that we Dante Sashray was going to be able to do. He was not only, of course, the, the Vikings leading passer by virtue of his job, but also was their leading rusher going into this game. He gained 61 yards in the game on 19 attempts, but he also lost 41 yards. So as he netted 20 yards, the Wildcats only gave up 69 yards rushing on the ground against the Vikings. And so pretty good day for a quarterback that, like we said, is very mobile, can really make defenses, keep them honest. Wildcats, by and large, contained Dante Dashere and came away with the dub. So, guys, we talked a little bit about what we liked. Let's do the reverse. Tom, what didn't you like about what happened on Saturday up in Hillsboro? You know, probably probably the biggest thing, and it's it's one of those things that you say it's not a problem until it's a problem, right? And I hope yeah. you know I had some buddies up there at the game, and I know it's a little windy, but I'm not liking no snaps, man. I'm not liking that. Could be you know, it's one of those things. It's not a problem until it's a problem. It's a tie game, and it's a tight game, and all of a sudden it's a problem. So that's that's probably my biggest thing, you know. And, and of course, <clears throat> the thing I don't like. Um, because he's a, he's a local kid and, you know, um, I got a buddy that coached him at Fremont and he's an awesome kid. I don't like, I don't like his situation with Hadley. Don't like that at all. Okay. You know, because he's a program guy and he's done everything he's supposed to do and he's reliable and you can trust him, you know, just like he was at Fremont high school. And you just do not like that from a, from a personal standpoint and from a, from a, you know, from a football standpoint of having a guy there reliable to catch that ball, because I know playing up in Montana state and Bozeman, that wind blows a little bit, right? That, that punt can get squirrely. Yeah. My understanding that is it's supposed to be a little bit uh, stormy and rainy today. So I imagine the wind will be a little bit of a factor, but, uh, Definitely see what happened. Hayes, you know, went down with that injury. And so still kind of waiting to hear what they think. But I saw some reporting from the the standard examiners, Brett Hine this week that they think that Hayes is probably going to be out for the season. So that will probably... Yeah, I think it's a year deal. Yeah, they're still waiting to confirm. I mean, a lot of folks initially said, oh, that might be an ACL. We're still waiting to hear that uh, because they had to do some scans and all that. But the preliminary look is that, yeah, Hayes will at least be out for the rest of the season. Uh, we'll find out more, though. Simon, what about you, man? What didn't you like about the game up in Hillsboro on Saturday? Yeah, that's pretty much what I was going to say exactly with Hayes Hadley right there. You know, I watched that injury happen. That's a hard one to watch, you know. Yeah. Like, you see that replay, and all of a sudden, you're like, oh, gosh, that really got, that really got squished down there. Um, you know, the, other than that, you know, it's in my consideration, it's a 42-7 to seven game that was – more like a 42-0 game. Um, I don't think there's too many te- parts of this team I can pick apart on that one. Um, that was just unfortunate to see. I think it's hard to see injuries like that, especially to a player that has that much of an impact on the team. Um, been a good returner, like really has, and has taken over for that role that Rashid Shahid left and, and done a pretty good job with it so far. Yeah, Rashid Shahid. I mean, obviously huge shoes to fill, four-time yeah. All-American. I mean, just an absolutely all-time Wildcat now doing a great job in the NFL. Uh, if you saw the university's interview with Jay Hill this week, uh, you would have seen that you talked a little bit about not just Rashid Shahid's touchdown last week, but also Taron Johnson's interception to, to close out the Bills game, put that one on ice so they could beat the Chiefs. I mean, just Wildcats doing big things in the NFL right now. And then on Thursday night, Rashid Shahid goes for the 50-plus yard bomb from Andy Dalton. It just... Big things, but Rashid Shahid, huge shoes to fill. And I think Hayes, Hayes Adley was filling them admirably. Good job. And so you hate to see that happen. Uh, guys, for me, the thing that I hated about, about the game in Hillsboro, penalties. 11 mm. penalties and 90 yards. Again, the Wildcats are dead last in penalties in the conference. They will, we'll talk about this in just a second, but they will face the Bobcats today, who are number two in the conference at take at, at penalties. So we, we've already seen Davis, and like we talked about in that game day show, Davis is a very disciplined team, and they were, right? They did not commit that many penalties. The Bobcats are very much the same. Wildcats continue to give away big yards on penalties, almost a full length of the field on penalties alone. So it's got to get better because as we've talked about all season, the road really gets tough over the next three weeks. And if you're giving away 100 yards in penalties, you're only making it harder on yourself because these teams that we're going to face are good. So guys, any final thoughts? Oh, I, I, I should give you guys an opportunity. Man of the match, MVP, 
Tom, who's your MVP from Saturday? For defense? Anybody. I, I got it. Just either side. You, you, you pick. I got two, really. I, I, Anderson, right? Just, oh, you know, he had three, three tackles, right? Two assisted tackles. He had a breakup, you know, and then you look at him where he is uh, nationally, right? Leading the leading the late nation with five interceptions, so I think he had he had a really good really good game. And I know offensively, offensively, I've talked about a couple guys, but I know the standard reported it and just kind of reading the numbers and stuff. You know, uh, Coach Mantle, right? You know, you look at our offense of where it was last year to this year. So total offense, we're up ninety yards. Um, you know, six six sacks given up. Um, we're up uh, for rushing. We're 14th in the nation, you know, so I think those are all big things. And, you know, when you think about it, what, what changed with the personnel? I mean, we lost that one guy. I can't remember his name. I think he's in the NFL. He returns punts, lost him. <laughs> um, but you know, really, I mean, who did, who has come in or, you know, maybe a couple of guys have come in and, um, uh, nothing, nothing new. I, I guess we haven't had a guy, a crazy guy come from the portal or a junior college transfer or anything like this. It's all done uh, with what we had last year and a couple guys growing up. So I think that's pretty good for coach what he's done with the offense. Yeah. One, one note on Maxwell Anderson also announced this week that he was a on the watch list for the Buck Buchanan as a cornerback. So yeah. Big time. If you guys don't know, the Buck Buchanan is the award given to the best defensive player in the country. If you remember last season, Eric Berrier won the Walter Payton Award. That's basically the country's MVP. It's the Heisman Trophy for the FCS level. The Buck Buchanan is like the Heisman Trophy for the best defensive player in at the FCS level. So um, he's got some stiff competition. The kid uh, out of William & Mary, that kid is is really tearing it up. But uh, And it's tough for cornerbacks to win this award because you know, backers and linemen seem to kind of get the love because of all the stats that they generate. Uh, but Maxwell Anderson's name is being thrown out there right now for the Buck Buchanan. He's on the watch list. So kudos. Simon, what about you? Who's your MVP from last week against Portland State? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I obviously love seeing Maxwell Anderson play every week. I think, you know, just a phenomenal defensive player has been killing it with interceptions and everything like that. Um, one of the things that I did see, though, that I really loved was I loved this run game in this um, against Portland State. Love seeing Dante McMillan um, go up for 81 yards and touchdown, everything like that. And that was an incredible touchdown. Like I said, that was one of my favorites I've ever seen. And um, DeMond Bankston also killed it, you know, 40 yards, not one touchdown in the beginning. Um, seems like we pulled us out of a lot of, you know, really good places. We had some – a lot of times we had pretty bad field um, – like – pretty bad field position right there and we're able to kill it and get like these 50 yard runs that were miracles that no one knew where they were coming from. So, yeah. Yeah. If I'm picking it's DMAC, that's, that's probably my man of the match. That's my MVP for last week. Just, I think that just the, it's, if I'm picking, it's either DMAC or it's Jacob Sharp because Jacob Sharp had the, you know, the absolutely massive touchdown pass 55 yards um, he, he ended up with 81 yards on the day on two catches. One of those was for a touchdown. So you can look at Jacob Sharp's like, that's 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 touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, and that's fair. But also DMAC, just like you said, it just feels like he is a man unleashed right now. The last few games, he's really started to come on. Damon Bankston has already shown his quality this season. And so just having DMAC and Damon Bankston together in the backfield while we wait for Josh Davis to return from injury, Plus, we had a Chris Jackson sighting. I mean, that running back room, probably all of those dudes deserve that MVP for last week just because the run game was phenomenal. 268 yards net, 276 gained, lost just eight, you know, three touchdowns on the ground. Uh, the longest run was 36 yards uh, by Chris Jackson. I mean, what more can you say? Great outing by the running back room. So, okay, guys, let's talk a little bit now about today's game against Montana State. Montana State coming in at number four, I believe. Three, three or four. I can't remember. And obviously, the Wildcats coming in at number five. So, huge matchup. Uh, listened to a lot of podcasts this week about national FCS guys talking about it. Uh, everybody's got their eyes on this one. Obviously, this and the game in Sacramento later today uh, that will be on ESPN2 between... The Hornets and the Grizz, that's another game that everybody will be watching. So the heavyweights start to clash now in the big sky. Uh, this will be the first. And so 
starting off with the Bobcats, uh, I kind of want to talk about, I mean, if you know, they run the ball. That's what they do. And they do it a lot. So the rush offense is the best in the conference. It's one of the best in the country. Um, they average a whopping 281 yards a game on the ground. It's just a bonkers number. Their top rushers are quarterbacks, actually. So Sean Chambers, if you've watched him, he's an absolute dude. He can get out when he's out running, man. He is tough to bring down. He's a big guy and he's got some legs, but also Tommy Malott's had some, he's had some opportunities as well. If you watched Malott play in the playoffs last year for the Bobcats, he was very capable of not only throwing the ball, but running on broken plays and keeping those defenses honest. He had a lot of success. Very, very Stefan Cantwell-ish, if you remember Stefan from 2017, which I do. And so the run game is really, really a key piece, but especially from their quarterbacks. We talked about the Wildcats containing Dante Sachere last week. How do you think that the Wildcats handle this Bobcat run offense, especially with such skilled runners with the, with the two quarterbacks? How do they handle this? Because this is, I think, the biggest test that they've seen. Yeah, I think um, I think one of the biggest things to look at is, you know, where you have this running quarterback dynamic. I always kind of think of Montana State a little bit like the Baltimore Ravens of the big sky a little bit. Um, and one of the things is with Montana State right now, they not only lead, I think they're number two in time of possession right now, which is, um, you know, phenomenal. And then also one of the best red zone offenses in the league or in the, in the conference. And so I think like red zone offense in the league. Yep, the best red zone offense in the league. And so I think you're going to look at guys like Jack Kelly and New Solison and then uh, Garrett Beck um, just to put some pressure on the quarterback right there. Um, this isn't a huge passing team. Um, it is dominant run. So I think you'll look at guys like Desmond Williams and Maxwell Anderson who will be able to shut down that backfield right there, Eddie Heckard as well, um, and just keep keep the quarterback honest. You know, if we can, if we can run him through one stream of offense, I think we can contain him a little bit. Yeah, I agree. If you make them one dimensional, um, it should be, you have to watch out for Willie Patterson, who's the yeah. co-offensive player of the week. He had a great, huge game against Northern Colorado last week. And we'll talk about that in a second. But Tom, what about you? How do the Wildcats contain this running quarterback duo that the Bobcats have? Because I think it's the key to beating them. If you can do it, you give yourself a chance. Yeah. You know, and you look at their, um, their, their run scheme. I mean, they're kind of like, in and out Burger, right? There's three things that you get when you go to in and out Burger, right? And you know they're really, really good. You know exactly what you're getting. They make it the same. It's perfect, right? And that's their run game, right? They run an inside zone. They run an outside zone. They run a little pull play. And so, and they do it really, really well. So how do you stop that? Discipline, right? We got to be disciplined on defense. You got to stay true to whatever Coach Hill and the defensive staff comes up with scheme wise. And you got to stay true to that. You can't get baited in to going into having two guys in a gap. And then now that quarterback springs loose, right? So discipline. I'm sure they'll have something put in play to watch the quarterback, a linebacker or something to be always aware where he's at. You know, an interesting thing about the stat that you pulled out in the rushing yards, it'd be interesting to see how much of that rushing is rushing yards where you're running through the line of scrimmage opposed to scramble plays, right? Because that's not truly rushing the football, but it's still a stat. So I really, because I go back and when I watched the uh, <clears throat> UC Davis, right? I mean, that quarterback, had a lot of yards, but it wasn't like they were blocking for him, right? It was scramble yards and stuff. So that, that number could be skewed a little bit. Um, but again, I think it comes down to discipline and where does discipline break, break down is, you know, I don't, I don't think our guys would fall into this category. I think they're dialed in. I think they follow the plan. I think they they drink the Kool-Aid of what the defensive coaches are, are telling them. Where where they'll break down is getting worn out and tired, right? But I feel, I don't know the exact number of this, but when I go to the games and watch, I do see a lot of bodies coming in and out on defense, right? So that tells me that, we got enough depth where guys aren't going to get worn down and get tired. So, you know, and it's, and I guess this is one comment that we could kind of put in play for everything is this is, this is kind of the real first game for these teams. Cause you go back and look at who we've played. Has anybody we played have a winning record in the big sky? 
on both sides, Montana state or for Weber state, you know, this yeah. is kind of like, this is where the pavement hits the, or the, the tires hit the road. Right. Right. So it'll be interesting. And, and, and the nice, the interesting thing about this particular matchup is that there are a couple of common opponents here. The Bobcats have played the, the East Washington Eagles, same as us. They played UC Davis, same as us. They handled Davis a little better than we did. We handled Eastern a lot better than they did. So there are trade-offs, right? There are style matchups, and that's what football is all about. It's all about style right. matchups, right? We, I, the example I always use is the 2018 team losing to Maine, then Maine going to Eastern Washington for the semifinal and just getting absolutely racked because guess what? The Eagles could throw the ball that year and we couldn't. So right. they, they took care of Maine and they went to the national championship that year. But um, so a couple of different things, but an interesting thing I think coming into this that maybe could play a role is you talked about getting the defense off the field, keeping guys fresh right now, Montana state is second in the conference and third down conversion. Um, that's going to play a factor. Probably the Wildcats are the best in the conference at shutting opponents down on third down. So it's strength versus strength in a way. And then also fourth down, conversions, Montana state, number three in the conference, Wildcats, once again, number one in shutting down fourth down conversions. So we'll see how it works, but I think you're right, Tom, that the, the depth allows the defense to stay fresh later into games. And especially if they're having problems getting off the field, like if you remember that Davis game, there were some extended drives that didn't necessarily end in the red zone. I think Davis only went to the red zone one time and that was it the Wildcats are able to hold teams like that, but time on the field and plays do add up over the course of the game. And so the rotation helps to mitigate that. I think. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's a young offensive line, you know, Montana States, I think they got one guy that's got a, a lot of experience. They got a lot of young guys in there. Yeah. I did want to talk a little bit. This wasn't in the, in the rundown, but I was going to talk a little bit about it. So skyline sports reporting today that, they're going to be the Bobcats will be without a couple of starting offensive linemen. They will be without sophomore right tackle Marcus Ware, and they will be without junior guard Cole Sane, who both went down in the game last week against Northern Colorado. So they were replaced by uh, redshirt freshmen, and um, we'll just kind of have to see how that works because offensive line is obviously a key piece to running the run game, and losing two guys who are anchors in that offensive line could have an impact. We'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah. So guys, um, we talked about this just a second ago, um, but Willie Patterson going to have to watch out for him. He had 148 yards on Saturday, three touchdowns against Northern. The upside to, to this guy is that he's not Lance McCutcheon, who is like six two. He's just like a massive guy who, by the way, Lance McCutcheon's playing in the NFL now. And uh, Billy Patterson comes in at 5'9", 175 pounds. If the Wildcats are committed to containment and keeping the quarterbacks largely contained, that would probably mean that the secondary is going to have to play in man coverage. And if that's the case, you're going to have to be able to take care of a guy like Willie Patterson. The question to you guys for me is, how do they do that? How do they keep him from making big plays? Because we've seen Wildcats are willing to live with some dink and dunk plays, maybe even the occasional 20, 25 plus yard pass, but you can't give up the big 45 yard or you can't give up the big 55 yarder. How do the Wildcats make sure they're doing that if they're committing so much of the defense forward to contain the quarterback? I think that's, um, I think that's a good question. Uh, is kind of interesting about this matchup is, you know, Montana state and Weber state right now have pretty much the two best, you know, defensive backfields in the entire conference right now. Um, very dominant defense backfields. And so I think one of the things that's going to be nice is um, they haven't seen a backfield like this before passing against them or anything like that. And, um, you know, we bring up um, Willie Patterson and, and his stats and everything like that. And he's had a couple big games, you know, 148 is kind of his big one right now. And that's sure. obviously a huge game, um, but 63 yards, 45 yards, 51 yards. Um, and so I think one of those big things is if you can lock up, you know, Desmond Williams or Maxwell Anderson on him and just kind of have them running with him all night. Um, you really limit the options 
um, quite a bit. Um, this isn't a pass heavy team again. Um, That's true. And I think we have a, I think we have a defense, we have defensive backs that we can trust. And that's been clear this entire season. And I don't think that stops depending on the opponent. So. Yeah. The Bobcats are dead last in the conference in yards per game average. They average 199 yards a game, which is 12th in the conference out of 12 teams. So they're not a very pass heavy offense, like you said, but they can pass. We saw Sean chambers can throw the ball nicely. If you watched that game against Davis, he had some dimes. Um, we know that Tommy Malott can throw the ball and he had a good night, a good day last Saturday against Northern Colorado. So I, I hear what you're saying, Simon, where it's like, put your best secondary player on someone like Willie Patterson and make somebody else beat you. Yep. Tom, what's your take on this secondary managing somebody like Willie Patterson and trying to take that weapon away while also playing forward to keep the run game close? Well, I mean, if you look at Willie Patterson and where he ranks, right, for for receiving yards, okay, so in the conference, he's number 17 for total total offensive receiving yards, right? So that means there's 16 guys better than him, correct? And it also means that we've played against those guys. There's five guys better than him by stats that we've always played against, right? Either be from Portland State, Eastern Washington, I don't know any of those guys' names because they didn't show up. And I know maybe I'm, I'm putting something out there, but I just got a lot of confidence in our guys back there. I think they all can cover. I think they're all talented and they take care of business. And I got a lot of confidence in them. And so just, just handle your business, do what you're supposed to do and, and everything will take care of itself. I don't, I just don't think it's, it's a, it's a personnel issue where, where you got a guy running a fade that can out jump everybody um, that can catch the ball and just take it to the house. You know, I don't think it's one of those situations. I just think, I think we're good enough in the back end everywhere that, that we should be able to control it. But I will tell you this, my area of concern with being concerned about the run is that space between the safeties and our linebackers and the guys that run in that space is the tight ends. That would be, I would be more concerned about that than, than the receiver, to be honest with you. And they're running back the kid with the, uh, with the, uh, with the brace on his elbow. Sorry. I don't know his name, but from watching, but he's a talented kid too. He's got some explosion to him too. So he's a talented kid, but that, again, that depth, that, you know, run, 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 play action. All of a sudden those quarter, those, our linebackers are stepping up three yards and that tight end gets in behind that space. That, that would be more concerning me to me than, than Willie Patterson. Yeah. Cause like you said, that's, that's open space and they're already out there seven yards. So yeah, if no one's covering that wide open space, they're probably going to catch it and they're probably going to get three more yards. You're giving it at least 10. Yeah. It's, it can be a nightmare. So I, I hear and that thing. It's just, just tough. And that area of the field is a high percentage throw, right? It's just that, that percentage wise, it is just a high percentage of throw compared to throwing the ball to the outside. So, yeah. Um, want to talk a little bit about the, the Bobcat defensive line though. Two names kind of stand out to me on the defense specifically, one on the D line and then another, uh, we're going to talk about uh, one of their linebackers. Cause just like last year, Montana state has some great linebackers. We all know about Troy Anderson and how absolutely phenomenal he was now playing in the NFL. Um, but sophomore defensive tackle, Sebastian Valdez has also had a really good season. And then I also want to talk about senior linebacker Callahan O'Reilly, who, if you've listened to Big Sky Big Takes, I had Callahan O'Reilly as my, you know, MVP, defensive MVP, something like that. Callahan O'Reilly's been really good, uh, but Valdez is number two in the conference in sacks. He's number three in TFLs, and both he and O'Reilly are tied in the conference at number two for forced fumbles. It's two each. So, do you think the O line will be up to this challenge? Because I don't think that they've seen a pass rush quite like this. Valdez is a problem. Yeah, he's okay. a problem. He is a problem. Um, I would say, first thing I would say to, to Montana state and, and uh, hats off to their program, right? They sent three guys to the NFL, um, one a receiver, one was a defensive end and one is the linebacker. Right. And yep. so 
they're replacing him with a linebacker that we're going to talk about and Valdez. So Valdez is a problem. I watching him, he's got explosion. He's got get off on the, on the football. Um, so yeah, that is, that is going to be a challenge. It's kind of interesting when you look at Valdez. So he has seven sacks, right? Total seven sacks and Montana state as a team has nine or 19. So he's almost, you know, I'm not as good at math as you guys are being distinguished Weber State grads, but he's almost at 50%, man. Pretty darn close, right? So that's that that's the problem to me. He's a talented, talented player. So, you know, I'm sure you're gonna have to come up with something as far as protection goes. You know, there's two types of really there's three types of protection in football, right? There's a man protection, offensive line guys, they all match up. You know, um, the second protection is a full line slide where you take the the left tackle and you slide the whole line to the right. And then you insert the running back where the tackle was. That's a, a gap protection, a full line. And the last protection is a half man slide. So you would slide, you could slide the center to the left and then keep the two, the guard and the tackle on the right man. So my, my thought here is, we got to try and slide the protection. You got to try and sl- slide um, one of the, the Atagi boy to him so he can get that double team between the guard and the center and get a body on him, right? So, but they're smart enough to know that, all right, you're going to slide the line here. Then we're going to bring pressure on the other side, on yeah, the man side. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do that. So it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting, uh, Interesting match um, uh, matchup. I, I do like when I I listen to the uh, game at Portland State and they and they uh, they give the away to, to Tagi and it's not three hundred, it's not three fifteen, it's not three twenty five. It just keeps going up and up. So that's a lot of body. I don't know a big body like that on somebody's a good thing or if it's going to work against us because usually big body kids can't dance very good and can't move their feet. But if they get a hold of you and they play in a phone booth, then it's to our advantage. So it'll be, it's going to be an interesting match matchup, but uh, he's a problem. Yeah. Interesting matchup in the trenches. Simon, what about you? What's your take on the Montana state defense, especially on that D line? I don't know. I'm going to follow up that first. Off. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just went full on, man. Like he just gave us an education. This like, went full on coach right there. I was yeah, like, oh, like crap. You know, we might know some Weber State math, but right? I'm not <laughs> Weber State football. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah obviously Noah Toggy's been, you know, just a just a stable part of this offensive line. Um, one of the things I will say, because I don't think I could talk anymore about the offensive line that Coach Stack did, um, but Bronson Barron is a very good scrambler, and I don't think we should underestimate that. You know, he's yeah. not like someone that runs a ton or anything like that, and he's brought that up. Like, he's not, he's not going to try to run the ball because our – you know, our running backs are just extremely talented and he's brought that up multiple times, but he can get out of certain situations very, very well. So I wouldn't underestimate him when it comes to those situations that have that, you know, heavy, heavy rush against the quarterback. Um, I also think, you know, you got guys like um, Justin Sharp, you got um, T-Mac, you got Justin Malone, you know, you have these guys that can get out to quick routes and they can get out to something quick and be able to, you know, just get some of these dink and dunk plays when they need to and, you know, get out of certain situations. So I just say don't underestimate Bronson Barron's ability to get out of sack or anything like that. I think this offensive line holds up really well. And um, I think we have smart offensive players that can get out of good situations. The the last thing I will add to the, to the deal too, guys, is that, you know, you, you we're talking about him from a pass concept, but as you watch Weber state, play right they do a, a guard pull so when you do a guard pull the center's got a back a block back on him right so if, if we're blocking blocking back on him that's a single block so if he cross faces or reads the guards pull that could be just as much problem in the run game and as an is the pass game so as 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 fans watch the game make note of that as we block single block him, is he getting in and, and, and making plays that could be, you know, a six or seven yard gain. Is he making the play and it's a one yard gain because he's cross facing the center and going down line and making plays. Right. So it's not only a, you know, I've watched enough of him play that he's explosive and he's quick. So it's not just a, uh, 
pass rush concept. It's also the run game where you run into situations where you got to single block them. And now it's like, Oh geez, now what do I got to do? Right. So it'll be interesting. It's going to be an interesting, uh, uh, one of my things that I kind of look at is, you know, you got an offensive line that hasn't given up a lot of sacks. Right. And then you got a defensive line. that's getting a lot of sacks. So that's one of the kind of the, the, the matchups for the games for, for us to watch. Yeah, Wildcats currently lead the conference right now. They've only given up five sacks thus far this season. Um, the Montana State defense has taken their number two in the conference, at, like you said earlier, Tom, 19 sacks so far. Um, and then when it comes to their, their rush defense, fifth in the conference, giving up 152 yards a game and also 10, 10 rushing touchdowns. They're giving up an average of about 4.8 yards per carry. So it's not like it's not like Montana numbers where it's absolutely locked down. There are, there is some opportunity, but they're not like Eastern Washington or something where they're just letting guys blow through and they're averaging six yards a carry. It's not like that. Yeah. And the other matchup too, is the interception part, right? Cause Weaver state's right. leading in interceptions and in Montana state's not that far behind either. I think they're at nine interceptions. If I, if I read that right. So that's, yep. That's a, that's another good, you know, I, I mean, I, I know I was on here talking and, and pumping our back end up, you know, how talented we are, but their back end is only three behind us. So, you know, and that's, uh, you know, that'd be it. That's going to be a matchup too. Yeah. I've done a quite a few big sky, big take shows with some Montana state guys over the past couple of weeks. And, uh, we talked a little bit about this on big sky, big takes this week. I asked, uh, both thorny from the R and R cat cast and Montana parlay from the Montana mint about what their concern was with the Montana state Bobcats. And they said the secondary is a little bit of a concern, the safeties particularly. So what I'm wondering is explosive plays like we've seen from T-Mac and others where Baron is willing to just throw the ball down the field and T-Mac gets behind the defense. There could be some opportunity there, but like you said, Tom, you got to be careful because Montana state Bobcats also could pick you. They've got nine interceptions. Wildcats have 12. Wildcats are number number two in the conference at that. They're no slouches. They will get the ball if you're not careful. So try the explosive plays. It could hurt them, but also be cognizant of taking care of the ball. And I think that by and large, Bronson Barron has done that this season. I think it's the key part of Mickey Mental's offenses. We talked about that right before we interviewed Coach Mental that in his days at Notre Dame College, every time that he coached a quarterback, the quarterback usually had very good, some of the best interception numbers in the conference. So we, I think we're starting to see some of that from Bronson Barron because uh, quite a few of the interceptions that have been tagged to him aren't necessarily his fault. So I think even the interceptions that he's given up are a little bit inflated right now, but your point is a fair one. I mean, nine, nine picks already this season. So gotta, gotta watch for that. But we all know, you know, we all know how how good we are on offense when we have one or two explosive plays on offense, right? Go back to the UCS, UC Davis game. No explosive plays. What was it, 12 to 9 or something? I can't remember the score. But 17 to 12. So yeah, so explosive plays, man, that that gets you, that gets things going. And then all of a sudden, you know, defensive play calling is a little bit different. You start getting a, you know, up a score or up 10. Now things change on the offensive play calling and the defensive play calling and the dynamics of the games really, really change. So man, uh, there's just so much value in explosive plays. And I don't, and that's not just Weber State, that's NFL, that's Bonneville High, that's Roy High, man, it's all the highs, man. <laughs> But it's just, it's just a, that explosive play, man. And you can find it on special teams too, man. But it, it's a, it's a game changer. Yeah. We've seen it a lot right out of the gate, right? Simon, I mean, you've talked about this, I think on a couple of previous shows about coming right out of the gate, like the, the, the Hoko game against Eastern Washington, second play of the game, just a massive bomb to T-Max for a touchdown, just yep. right out the gate. We've seen those kinds of things. And it's almost become part of how Weber State likes to start the game. They like to start fast. They like to go fast. And so give me your thoughts on this. Do you think that Montana State has good coaches? They're probably expecting that now that they've seen a body of work thus far this season, six games of tape to watch. you think they'll be ready or Coach Mental got, got some tricks up his sleeve? You know, I think it's, I think it's kind of interesting. Um, 
One of the things that I've really loved hearing from Bronson Barron this year is that this hurry up offense kind of simplifies things for him in a little bit of a way um, and gives him a lot more control over the game. Um, That's one of the things that I love about, you know, kind of the no huddle is, and it worked so well for, you know, the Buffalo bills back in those early nineties years, you know, when they went to four straight super bowls, um, the big, the big thing with it is um, defenses get tired. And when you're, when you're running the ball like that and when you're throwing the ball like that, you're wearing them out. Um, I think it's hard to post up a big play like that early on in the game. Um, I think if anyone can do it, you know, obviously we've got T-Mac and, you know, Justin Sharp who are Jacob Sharp. You know, Jacob Sharp. Did I say Justin? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm off. Never mind. <laughs> Middle of the semester, man. We're not judging. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That, yep. It, um, oh, I, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, we have receivers that are obviously talented enough to get out there and, and get some good balls in. Um, but yeah, I, I want to see how this hurry up offense does against a team that can defend the pass a little bit better. So, yeah. Um, guys, last thing I want to talk about before we move on to the fly around the sky segment is red zone defense. Bobcats are dead last in the conference in red zone defense. If you can get them there, you're probably going to score a touchdown. Teams have visited the red zone against the Bobcats 15 times this season. Of those 15 visits, 10 were touchdowns, and I think three were field goals. So 13 of 15 resulted in scores once you got the Bobcats to the red zone. How can we make sure that the Wildcats are getting there? Because it seems like that's been an issue in some of the early games this season, finding their way to the to the red zone because we've seen once the wildcats get to the red zone they can score i mean right now as it sits the wildcats are converting at one of the highest rates in the conference in the red zone got to pull it up really quickly here red zone offense wildcats are third in the conference uh they are a 29 of 35 there's an 82 percent conversion rate um just like i said best for third in the conference right now how do we make sure that the Wildcats are closing out drives and not stalling in the red zone? I think the one, one thing I always thought about red zone is that I think it's when you look at it from a defensive standpoint, it's easier to play defense in the red zone. Simple, right? All the zones are, everything's tighter. The windows are tighter. Um, defensive backs have less space to recover and things like that. So I think when you see an offense that's really efficient in the red zone, it says a lot about that offense, right? That that tells you that's a really good, um, a really good offense. And then on the flip side, when a defense isn't very good in the red zone, it tells you, man, that's not a real solid defense. Um, so that that's one of my takes on that. If you're asking how do we get down there, you know, um, I think Jay like Hills get a, there, then you're in. Like the odds yeah. are really good for you if you can get there. Yeah, especially just statistically what we can do, but also who we're playing against because they're not that strong in the red zone defensively. But I think it comes down to, you know, those explosive plays that we talked about. Special teams can get you down there real, real fast. A turnover can get you down there real fast, right? And execution, you know, um, what is there going to be? What is going to be Montana State philosophy? Are they just going to keep everything in front of them and just say, "Yeah, we're going to give you the five, the four, the six. But if you're if you're if you're producing at that clip, then that's a lot of plays that you have to be running to be successful to get all the way down there. So, I don't know. I, I like I like our history of explosive plays and getting down there. And I know I know we're going to be aggressive in the special teams area. Uh, some way and you know you get a you get a turnover a pick that can get you there too you know I, I just in general too uh, I just excited for this game because I think they're two really really good coaches yeah I think it's going to be a good chess match between the two coaches I think they've both got certain identities to their team and no no insult to Montana State they're a very in and out type of football team which that's awesome because you just say, Hey, we're going to do these things and we're just going to do them better than anybody else. And we're going to be disciplined. And this is what we're going to do. And it got them to the national championship game doing that. And then Jay Hill, you know, he's a little bit of a gunslinger. He's, 
he's, he's going to find a little area where he can expose you and take advantage of you. And he's going to do that. So that's, it's just going to be a fun game from that, from a coaching standpoint to see how it all plays out. Yeah. A couple things on the line today. Wildcats come into this game with the longest road winning streak in the country. But on the other side of the ball, the Bobcats come into this game with the longest home winning streak in the country. So somebody's losing their streak today, whether that's the Bobcats <laughs> or the Bobcats. We'll see. The game has to be played, right? But before we move on to fly around the sky, guys. I just think that place is going to be rocking, man. Oh, it's going to be yeah, that place. It's going to be rocking, man. It's going to be crazy. And, and I'll tell you what our guys are going to feed off it just as much as they are, you know, I mean, those stands, the way those stands are set up. I mean, those people are like right there. I mean, you get grandma's spitting tobacco in the back of your head. I mean, they are that <laughs> close. Right. That's, so that's it's great. our guys are going to be so excited to play in that atmosphere. It's going to be awesome for them. Excited for them to, to have that opportunity. And there's the best thing about going there and playing as an old environment is when you walk out of there and it's quiet. Yep. Church quiet. We'll see if, we'll <laughs> that's see if the best feeling it. in the history, man. That's a that's one of my favorite things. Was especially that uh that basketball game from last year when we went to SUU uh, in St. George and uh, Cedar City. Uh, oh yeah, Cedar City. Duh. Never mind. Uh, anyway, um, but they did play, and Dylan Jones yeah. walked up to the student section. He's like, right, hey, we made a gift of that. Yep, kissing. And we do have one purple. We do have someone wearing purple up there. Emily Miller will be up at the game. So yeah, quite a few Wildcats are making the trip today. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've, I've heard from a bunch of people. Yeah, so I think we'll I think we'll travel pretty well on this one. But yeah, I I think it'll be fun to watch watch and play in Bozeman and see what's up. So yeah, yeah, volleyball team will be up there as well. And so if you're listening to this and you're going to the game in Bozeman and you're staying overnight, might as well go to the volleyball game as well because the, the the Lady Wildcats. I mean, the Wildcats will be playing against Montana State in volleyball, uh, making the second game they they played on Thursday, swept the Grizz in Missoula. So now in Bozeman tonight to play volleyball. And um, if you're there, go support them, man. How far away is Cedar city from St. George? I'm just curious. How far like, off am I? Like an hour. I don't know what we say. Tom's like an hour. Oh, is it an hour? Yeah. I thought it was closer than that. Nah, it's not that far, but it's not, I mean, it's not like 20 minutes. It's you got to drive around yeah. a little bit, but it's not like bountiful in Farmington. I thought it was like bountiful in Farmington. Yeah. So, no. Sorry, my Utah geography. I didn't do well in that in fourth grade. All good. Man. <laughs> Listen, you'll get your you'll get your chances as the Wildcats continue to take on Utah Tech. You know, we'll That's right. revisit the rivalry with the birds soon. And so you will be getting your chances to see Utah Tech in all its glory and the distance between St. George and Cedar City a lot in the coming years. <laughs> So, guys, let's take a fly around the sky now. Um, current rankings, uh, yesterday, last week, pretty good showing. Uh, everybody went four and one. Uh, of course, like we talked about on Monday night, Sean Lewis, uh, he picked the Vandals over Montana, and uh, he was rewarded. However, he picked Iwu to beat Sac State, and uh, that's not the way it went in Cheney. So, everybody ended up four and one on the week. Currently... Uh, Colby Peterson, 43 and seven on the season. Tom, 12 and three on the season so far. And Simon is a uh, four and two. So let's talk a little bit about what's coming up today. First game up, Portland State going to Kibbe Dome in Moscow to take on the high flying Vandals. Guy, who you taking in this one? The Vikings or the Vandals? It's a trap game, man. It's a trap game for, for, for the Vandals, man. Sure. They're all, yeah. But you know who I'm taking? The Vandals. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a trap game, but it don't matter, man. I'm taking the Vandals. Yeah, Portland State's just not that good, right? And yep. the Idaho defense is, I think, underrated. Nobody's talking about how stout that Idaho defense is. And like we just saw, if you can shut down the Portland State offense, you can shut down Dante Sachere. Good times for you. Boy, I think is making the case for... Jerry Rice award winner. He's been very good. I mean, he was my offensive MVP this week in Big Sky Big Takes. Uh, so a lot to like. Simon, what about you? Who are you taking? You know, Vandals are going off on a lot of momentum right now. Obviously, that was a big win. And uh, yeah. Portland State's not going on a lot of momentum right now. <laughs> um, I think uh, not after that. 
Um, I think I think this goes to the Vandals as well. I think Portland State's a team that's still trying to find themselves a little bit, and um, yeah, I think we'll I think we'll see the Vandals on top on this one. Well, they've been looking for a long time. Um, yeah, we'll find it soon. Yep. <laughs> Next up, Northern Arizona at Idaho State. This is an interesting matchup because Northern Arizona has underwhelmed this season. They have not been as good as advertised. RJ Martinez, who was the freshman of the year last year in the Big Sky, has been okay. Uh, but they, but the the Vikings, are, I mean, the Lumberjacks have had some bad games. Uh, they'll take the trip to Pocatello to face the Stripes. What are you guys taking here? This is, I think, a little bit tough, actually. Hey, tough. It's no? tight. Hey, tough. Bengals, man. Taking, okay. no. I'm taking the Stripes. I, uh, it's hard because every time that I, like, have a little bit of faith in R.J. Martinez pulling out a big game, like, it's like a 127 yard game. Oh. And then the one time where he had, you know, I was betting against him and he came up for like 350 yards almost or something like that. It was unreal. And <laughs> so where are you I'm going to go Northern Arizona on this. Oh, okay. I, know. I got a question. I got a question. I want to know what, I want to know what NAU's travel is like. Are they going to bus down to Phoenix two hours, jump on a plane, fly into Salt Lake, and take that beautiful drive up to Pocatello for another two hours? I mean, that's got to be the travel from hell. Yeah, that's I, not, I, that's I bet not that's fun. what they're doing. That sucks. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's not that fun. Does. Maybe they'll stop at Maddox for a steak, though. That'll be all right, though. I mean, That'll make smart. it okay. Yeah. Uh, guys, I'm taking the stripes, too, and here's why. Last week against Cal Poly, this, actually, this is a game that I forgot to have you guys pick, by the way. I totally like spaced that game. Just Freaking, You're fired. Not that important to me in Colby's brain. Um, <laughs> but the thing that... So right now, Cal Poly is the best passing team in the conference. Uh, if you look at them, they average 344 yard game right now. Their, their quarterback Spencer Brash is leading the conference. He's averaging, uh, he has 132.6, you know, passing efficiency. He's leading the conference in a number of statistics, especially average per game, which is 279 yards a game. And the stripes didn't care. They shut him down and they beat Cal Poly. NAU, I think is a very similar team in that way that, They've got a quarterback who can throw and it didn't matter for Cal Poly. And I don't think it'll matter for NAU. So for me, I think also um, Hunter Hayes is back. Their second string quarterback. It won't be second grown hour this week. So that helps the Idaho state offense. So I think this is going to be like just a repeat of last weekend. That's what I'm thinking. So I'm taking the stripes. Good decision. Good decision. Uh, next up. Davis going to Northern Colorado guys. What do you think? Man, <laughs> that running back, that, that running back from Northern Colorado, man, he's got a little bit of juice to him. Elijah Dotson. Oh yeah. He's got a little something to him. Yeah. I don't know why he picked Northern Colorado, but yeah, he's good. He was really good. At yeah, State. No, I will never understand why he transferred to Northern Colorado, but he did. What are you thinking on this, Simon? Voice of reason. <laughs> Voice of reason. Um, Come on, guys. This is an easy one. Who are we kidding? I'm going Davis yeah. on this one. I, you know, you look at last year too, like they've had a rough start so far, but you also have to look at their competition, played some phenomenal competition, um, especially in the preseason and having to play, you know, they've had to play Weber State. They've had to play Montana State. You know, they've had to play these tough yeah, South teams. Dakota State, who's yeah. now number one in the country. Exactly. After beating, yeah. After beating the Bison last week in Fargo, by the way. So right. yeah, it's tough. And Northern Colorado, I mean, competition level, like wins, teams they've won against, it's just not up there. So. They lost to Houston Christian. Yep. <laughs> what more you need to know? Yep. <laughs> but they, it was kind of close. It was kind of close against Montana State for a little bit there. Not in the second half, it wasn't. They didn't score. <laughs> they went up 14 Killing 3, my... and then that was it. <laughs> We got Tom McGaffrey, man. You got an NFL guy calling plays, dude. He, you got his son calling plays, and how's that working? Their offense is trash. You taking Northern Colorado, going, Tom? Like, huh? You taking no though? Oh, he's taking. Um, no. <laughs> it's a, okay. Maybe I don't know. Maybe we'll have a shocker. 
if that happens, if for some reason Northern Colorado beats Davis, they can kiss their playoffs goodbye. They've already got a tight window. And if they hey, lose this game, that's it. I'm going to say, I'm going to get, I'm going to get on my phone. I know you guys don't know what a phone is. You guys just know text messaging, but I'm going to actually talk to somebody and I'm going to call McCaffrey. And I'm going to tell him, Hey, this is your, this is your speech. This is your, this is what you got to say, yeah. guys. This is the only chance we got to win a game this year. This is it. We're all in this week. This is it. Well, they that's what he's got to say. They, they have won some games. They beat, they beat, uh, who they beat Idaho state or something like that. Yeah. They beat Idaho state. Yeah. So, you know, they've got some dubs, but ah, Northern Colorado, the battling bears, they suck. I will say I have a bad track record, track record on this game. So, you know, oh, that makes me feel good. It should make you feel good. You can ask uh, Jessica Wheeler. I have a bad track record on this game. <laughs> uh, guys, I'm telling you, Davis is going to handle this one easily. <laughs> there we uh, go. Next up. Eastern Washington at Cal Poly, um, Bo Baldwin versus his former team in San Luis Obispo. Who are you guys taking? I got Ewu on this one. Um, I think Cal Poly came with a bad loss, which is which is a tough one. And I think Eastern Washington's offense has, I mean, just some killer pieces to it. I don't think Cal Poly's defense has enough to stop them. So yeah, I'm picking the ball well, right? Like they're all about passing at Cal Poly, and you know that's the thing that Eastern. Can- can deal with for the most part. Now, yep. if they were running the ball, they'd have problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tom, where are you at? Eastern or I Cal Poly? I heard a guy. I know this guy that told me that Cal Poly's got one of the best passing offenses in the in the conference. So they pass the ball a lot, but that doesn't mean they score a lot. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's they just chuck it. They just chuck it around. They just like chuck it. <laughs> yeah, how's their scoring offense? Let's see. Actually. Here's it. So yeah, who are you pass. taking? I'm, I'm taking freaking Ewu, man. I think that I don't think that I don't think Cal Poly is going to do it. They haven't won a game. Idaho State, bro. They have won a game. They beat Tennessee State. No, oh well, you keep going to Tennessee State. There's nothing good coming out of Tennessee, dude. Are you kidding me? Did you see the way Tennessee State played Jackson State in Memphis. That's all I gotta say. Go back and look at that game. Tennessee State is absolutely rolling right now. They crushed Tech. Tennessee Tech last weekend. You can say it's Tennessee Tech, and I don't care. But my my bellwether is the fact that Jackson State, Deion Sanders, Jackson State, and that loaded roster. They played them tough in Memphis, and they lost a close game. Eddie George. I'm just trying to. Here, I'm just so. trying to like think of the mindset of Eastern Washington and Cal Poly. Like Eastern Washington, just like we suck. We're not used to being this. Let's hit the reset button. We'll do it again next year. Like is that that attitude over at Eastern? Like. I, I'm just trying to think of their mindset right now. You know what I mean? Like, dude, we got to get on it. They might be happy. I mean, get on a plane and leave Spokane and go to nice Cal Poly. It's in Cal Poly, right? Yeah, that's a lot. They might be plumped. It's nice. So we, we I'll pick, go with Tom. Eastern Washington. I, I, I'm going to go with Eastern Washington because of the quarterback for Eastern Washington. Six-year guy. I want him to win because anybody that sticks around for six years for their chance deserves to win. That's what I'm doing. All right. Be wash. Um, by the way, bet the over on that one. Let's see. Next up, last two games, big games, Montana State at Sac State. This is going to be on ESPN2, guys. Um, obviously, the Grizz coming off that bad loss to Idaho at Wash Grizz last weekend. A stunning loss for the Grizz. Sac State continues to absolutely just pummel anybody in front of them. Cameron Scadabo is just a dude. I think he's going to win conference player of the year, offensive player of the year. That's what I think. I'm putting that out there. What are you guys taking here? Do the Grizz bounce back or does Sack continue to roll? I don't even know if I don't even know if it's gonna happen, but just me picking and saying that the Grizz is gonna lose is just good enough for me. That's just worth something right there. That Bobby's gonna lose two in a row. I love it. That's that's the only reason. That's what I'm picking. I'm picking Sack. Love okay. it. What about you, Simon? <laughs> I want to say the same thing, especially after watching that Bobby Hawk interview. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Yep. <laughs> yeah, he was annoyed. That's for sure. <laughs> yep. Um, the thing to watch in this one, though, guys, is this: Montana has the best defense in the conference, bar none. They are absolutely phenomenal at stopping the run. If they can't stop Cameron Scadabo today, nobody can. Not the yep. Wildcats. Not nobody, man. And so, if they, if Sack rolls on the Grizz and the Grizz are not able to slow down that rushing attack. 
just give him the conference championship now because Sack is just going to be too tough to deal with. And then finally, think, guys, oh, go ahead, man. Oh no! As far as as far as my picks for this one, it, it's tough. But I'm, I think it, it's kind of weird choosing that you know really high powered offense over a pretty high powered defense. But I think you know Sac State on this one. I think you know I oh, think man. right. They they've played a they've still played like a tough schedule. I think Montana's schedule has been a little bit tougher than Sac State's has been. Um, but I oof, it's they, hard to. They've both been pretty soft schedules. Right, but yeah. Um, the difference here is that SAC has an FBS win and the Grizz haven't played an FBS team. But right. SAC played Colorado State and they're absolute garbage. So Right, exactly. And so I think... It, it, sorry, but it's a little harder. It's a little harder for Montana to play on the road yeah. than it is at home. They, there is an advantage for Montana on the road or at home. You get that crowd r- cranked up and the offensive line. I see it all the time. It happened to us all the time when we went up there to play. Can't hear the snap count, right? Not all the plays, but there's always one or two plays where you just can't get off the ball and it, it causes problems. So that to me, that's a huge advantage for Montana in Montana, but take them away from that kind of, you know, levels things out a little bit, not a lot, but just a little bit. Just throwing that out there, Simon. Just throwing it out. That's oh, true. Uh, that's right, guys. Final here. game. Our own Weber State at Montana State. How are you guys feeling? <laughs> Don't not all at once. <laughs> I'm, hey, I'm, I'm telling you right now. And Jay Hill, we trust, man. I'm going Wildcats. I'm going the fact that we're a little bit more seasoned than they are. They're they're a younger team. We got some guys that, that have gone through it, right? They've lost some really good, really good players to the NFL. To the NFL, and, but you know. and they've replaced them with some good players. But I just think we've we've uh, got a little bit more, a little bit more experience. We got kind of kicked around last year a little bit, and we weren't happy about it. I think we are a very focused football team and go Wildcats. Yeah. I mean, if you listen to Jay Hill this week in some of the media interviews, he talked about this is a big game and it is a privilege, privilege to play in big games. You have to earn big games. And this is a big game because of what they've done thus far in the season. And same thing for the Bobcats. They have done what they've done and that's what makes this a big game. And so they've earned the chance to play in this big game and we'll see if they can continue to earn those chances. Simon, who are you taking in this one, man? I'm going to take Weaver State as well. I think, um, yeah. I think looking at this, this is two very good teams. Um, there are, you know, the, the weaknesses are fairly minimal on both sides. Um, but I think Weaver State has, a little bit more of what it takes to combat some of we from some of Montana State's strengths than Montana State's strengths to tackle Weber State. So yeah, so I'm gonna go Weber State on this one. Okay, picks yeah. are locked in for Week Eight. Um, so now we'll take a look at the upcoming schedule. Like we said today, Saturday, October 22nd at Montana State. That game will be at 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on ESPN Plus. Unless you're there, then you can just go down there. Go check it out, man. Tailgate Bozeman's nice. Then the following week, guys, Saturday, October 29th, big one. The Montana Grizz come to Ogden. We've been talking about it all season, and it's almost here. That game will be 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Tickets at WeberStateSports.com. Make sure that you buy some. Buy some for your friends. I'm sure there's going to be a ticket deal sometime soon, but buy tickets and show up because Grizz fans probably will, and we don't want them to be louder than us. Uh, when I, I said in previous shows, when they played in Pocatello, they filled up two full sections of Holt Arena. Would hate to see that at Stewart Stadium. So buy your tickets, wear your purple, show up, be loud. Let's make it tough on the Grizz. Then Saturday, November 5th, uh, Sac State comes to town. This is going to be another tough one. 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time tickets once again at WeberStateSports.com or you can watch on ESPN Plus or KJS. That's another thing I needed to say. If you're not at the game in Bozeman, the game will be broadcast on KJS today. It will also be on KJAZ for the Montana and the Sac State games as well. So road game today on KJAZ or ESPN Plus, and then same with the home games. And then finally, Saturday, November 12th versus Idaho State. This is uh, this will close out the home season, the regular home season. at 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Tickets at WeberStateSports.com. Uh, game will be on KJAZ or ESPN Plus. Um, rivalry game, supposedly, even though we've 
only lost to the stripes three times in my life. We don't lose to the stripes. So show up and watch us kick the crap out of them. Uh, email us. We were state weekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon. Of course, like we said, that content's coming up, those recruiting interviews soon. And then the blog, we were state weekly.com. That's where we've been posting our weekly game day grades after the game. I want to say hey, thank you so much to coach Tom Stackruck and Simon, the signpost's own Simon Mortensen for doing the game day show with us this week. Uh, appreciate you guys for making this happen. Always good talking football with you. We'll wrap it up like we usually do. Weber State, Weber State. Great. Great, great.